Hey, before we get into the episode, I want to update you guys that we just announced Starting Small Summit 2024. We launched Starting Small Summit in 2022 with an amazing panel of founders. We flew in for a live event that carried on to 2023, and now we're excited to do our third annual event this year in the Midwest. So make sure to click the link in this description so you can find more information on that and find more about our speakers and enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Adam Morvitz of PointMe, a real-time search and booking engine that makes it easy to book flights with points. We've all been there. We have all of these reward points stored up, but not sure how to use them. They're underutilized, and everything we try to book takes too many points. PointMe comes at the approach of efficiency and maximizes your point usage. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Adam Morvitz of PointMe. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Super excited to be here. Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Um, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Yeah, so I grew up um, on Long Island in a suburb about uh, 45 minutes from Manhattan and had a pretty typical childhood. Um, both my parents uh, worked in the school districts. My mom was a school speech pathologist, my dad a school psychologist and i had one sister um enjoyed all the normal things summer was my favorite time loved going to the beach um playing outside with friends yeah uh, and camp um but yeah pretty pretty normal childhood um really enjoyed myself i love it what were some of your aspirations growing up as a as a kid i know we don't really know at that time but kind of going through grade school as well um what were some of your interests I'm going through that. Yeah, so um, did well in school, but really enjoyed um, some of the more competitive sports, but also uh, clubs. And so uh, joined a lot of clubs, um, specifically those that had any kind of business or travel slant to it. Mm. Didn't really know that I loved either of those yet, but there was something interesting about anything that kind of uh, spoke to the business world or the stock market. Um, and so joined, joined many of those clubs. Where where do you think that spark that's fascinating, especially kind of like in the grade school years, were your parents or any family in hospitality or where'd that come from? They weren't. My parents tell me that I packed a suitcase at like three and (laughs) uh, started walking down the street because I wanted to go out and explore the neighborhood. Um, I don't know. I've always had that exploration bug. I don't think I knew what it meant till till after college, but exploring and trying to understand the world better was something that was always interesting yeah. to me. On the business side, it's interesting. Like some of my favorite video games when my friends were playing, uh, you know, car racing games or um, you know any of the more like martial arts types games. I was focused on like Roller Coaster Tycoon where I could look at how much profit I could bring in in one day theme park admissions Mm. um, or this lemonade stand game that I used to love as well. And so um, those sparks were there, but I I don't think they were fully thought out. Yeah, for sure. Getting into uh, kind of your college years then, I'm curious how this transfers over. I saw you went to uh, Beanhampton University. What did you end up studying there and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so um, Binghamton is a state school in New York. It's about uh, 
three hours from the city, give or take. Um, and it's known for its business program. I wanted to go there because one of my camp counselors went there um, and was also really interested in business. We used to talk business together um, and he majored in finance and got a great job um, coming out of school. So always a goal of mine to go there. Obviously state tuition is fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, and um, majored, did a dual major in finance and management information systems. Mm. Incredible. With, with your time there, was there any like monumental projects you worked on or internships or did any of those clubs from your grade school years, did those transfer into college as well for you? Yeah. Um, you know, now that I was business focused, uh, I would say a lot of the internships that I worked on um, tried to ensure that they had an entrepreneurial slant to them, even though I wasn't in an entrepreneurship program. Um, we did two consulting projects where we were helping local companies uh, scale and grow, and they were open to any and all ideas. Uh, they were primarily operating within what they call the Southern tier of New York. And so a smaller business area and open to expanding both within New York and um, throughout, throughout the U.S. And so um, really we were able to kind of throw darts up against the wall and then present to the executives. Yeah. Um, I think those were some of my favorite projects at school. A lot of my interest happened outside of school too. Um, as I mentioned, my parents were, were working in the education system. So the times when we went vac on vacation were either winter break, President's Week, or, or summer. And so summer every year we would go away. And I distinctly remember being in California actually and seeing everyone's fascination with salad as opposed to the East Coast at that time mm. and telling my parents I wanted to open a salad business where it wasn't the normal salad bar that I had seen growing up. Um, it was more so we will make you a custom salad bowl. And so we're talking in the days before sweet green or just salad or chopped yeah. um, a decade prior. And, and here I am like this young kid telling my parents that I think this could be interesting. I think there's a market for it. And I, I remember their immediate reaction was like, you can go get salad really cheap almost at any restaurant. Like <laughs> who's going to come to a store specifically for salad? And so I remember that. Um, I remember their feedback and, and I think it made sense, right? And um, I remember it pushing me though towards like, I actually want to explore what it's like to create a business and, and what goes into the fundamentals of business creation. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm curious with that um, salad thing, once like Sweet Green and all those others came out, like, did you reflect on <laughs> that thought? And oh my God. Um, yes. I actually had told a few friends. And so for one of my birthdays where my friends were there and my parents, um, I had my, my friends recount my uh, salad idea to my parents about six years later. <laughs> and at this point, just salad and chopped were here in New York. And yeah, uh, yeah there, were, there was silence in oh, the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Getting into um, some of your career journey following graduation though, and uh, prior to your own ventures, you had a kind of an, an interesting path. I saw you got into some production as well and kind of directly following school. What did that journey look like for you? What, what were those first opportunities? Yeah, I, I love talking about my career path um, because I think like 
for anyone who's in school, it doesn't have to be a narrow path. You can really explore, even if you pick a major or you um, go down a road right after graduation, you're always able to move and switch. It just takes some risk taking um, and some, I would say, um, challenging times, but, but they, they've always proved worth it. And so uh, coming out of school, I took the normal path. I uh, lined up a job in finance at Ernst & Young, EY, um, got that while I was still in my senior year at mm. school, started at EY and um, was doing a lot of consulting. So I was traveling uh, domestically almost every week. Uh, that's really where I learned about uh, the loyalty programs and points and miles and my fascination for travel outside of the major met metropolitan areas really took hold. I was working in offices across the nation. I think I hit 46 of the 50 states while working wow. at EY. Um, and so after EY, I had a friend from EY who had interviewed at one of the major pharmaceuticals. And he was like, I, I know, you know, pharmaceutical doesn't mean anything to you as an industry, but I know you're passionate about consulting and finance, and I know you're passionate about travel. This, this opportunity is amazing because it's all international travel, and you'll be consulting in their overseas offices. Wow. So I, I, uh, he actually didn't end up getting um, a role there. I interviewed, I, I got the position, and it led to almost five years of international travel. And that's really where yeah. I honed my points and miles skills, fell in love with the industry and the space, did a great job consulting for the company as well, but yeah. really, really loved that travel aspect of it and, um, and started a side hustle. Um, at the time, we were one of the first what's now referred to as a points and miles award consultancy. Yeah. So you as a customer would share what points and miles you have, whether it's with a specific airline or credit card company, and we would ensure you got the best value for your points and miles. The, the typical U.S. consumer gets around one penny per point. Yeah. Uh, currently at PointMe, uh, we average somewhere between six to 12 cents per point. Wow. Back then we were able to average, you know, somewhere between eight to about 20 cents per point, but really ensuring that the consumer was getting the best value for their points. So started that business as a side hustle. It was called Juicy Miles. Mm -hmm. Also started a blog, um, which started actually as a newsletter at my employer where I was uh, educating our colleagues on these are the best points and miles deals these are the best redemptions and it was a weekly email that went out and i approached uh, randy peterson who's many consider the the godfather of points and miles and he had a website called boarding area and he allowed me to transition my employee newsletter to to a blog wow um and so at that point in time um I truly loved finance, but I had that entrepreneurial bite. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to blow my life up and try something new, there's two things I always wanted to do. It was have a successful startup um, that was travel focused. And also, this is a weird one. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be in charge of programming at a television network. I wanted to pick what shows went on the air what got canceled, yeah. dig into viewer demographics and ratings. I was obsessed with ratings growing up. 
Um, and so I said, you know what, if, if I'm going to go for uh, the travel entrepreneurial startup, let me do television as well. And I emailed NBC HR obsessively. Um, I didn't want to work at any other television network. It had to be NBC. Growing up on Long Island, I made my parents bring me to 30 Rock yeah. once a month to go on the tour. So if I was going to do this, it had to be NBC. I think after about 10 emails, they wrote me back and they said, you can come in. It's not an interview, but if you come in, you have to promise to stop emailing us. Um, And, and I said, absolutely. And I came in, um, I was trying to convince them that analyzing financials is the same as analyzing ratings data and demographics data. You're using a set data set to make a decision um, and yeah. you know the the fundamental skill set required is pretty similar, and I essentially got um, cool story, bro. That's not how it works in television. I we we sense your enthusiasm. We're open to an opportunity, but you have to be uh, an apprentice. And and I said, what's an apprentice? And their response was, it's our way of saying you're not 18, but you're going to be an intern. And so you know. <laughs> Many, many years into my career, I took this apprenticeship unpaid with an apartment in the city and rent that I had to pay. Wow. Um, also that I could fulfill that dream and um, and it was totally worth it. Wow. I, I think some of the more interesting parts of that were, you know, in order to continue paying rent, I, I kept a finance job. And so um, my NBC job... The first two, um, they gave me two roles and said, if you can prove yourself, we'll skip you a bunch of levels and get you to where you would have been, would you have started here coming out of school? Um, And so my first two roles, one was at SNL uh, doing production accounting. Um, And so really leveraging my financial skill set, not exactly what I wanted to be doing. And the other, uh, funnily enough, was at an MSNBC show at the time that was called Your Business. And it was a show about uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs. It was really, really geared to to what I was interested in. And they had me uh, writing stories and and going out and and finding um, interesting businesses that we could feature on the show. And so I did that while keeping a finance job. NBC was on 49th and 5th. My finance job was on 49th and Park. I'd start the day in finance at 6 (laughs) a.m. At lunch, I'd run over to NBC, um, work, you know, till around lunchtime, then run back, do my finance day and then finish uh, finish the day at NBC. So that's crazy. So did any of these parties know that you were running both at the time or how, how did you operate that? Was there any like a, at first, so they knew that I was, so what I'm leaving out is at the end of both of those days, I'd come home and do juicy miles and the blog point <laughs> to the plane. I was essentially sleeping about three and a half hours, but I was living my dream, right? I was making yeah. TV happening. I was making my entrepreneurial dream happen to answer your question directly. No, at that point in time, they knew I was working, on my side hustle, but they didn't know I had another full-time yeah. job. Um, I just got married actually in March. Um, and thank you. And had my managers and teams from both of those companies <laughs> there. And it was the first time that everybody uh, could interact together and kind of laugh about the story. And it, it's amazing to have all those people in the same room For sure. um, now. Yeah. 
<laughs> so can, getting back to like your consulting days at um, Juicy Miles, was that all like manual? So it's if like you would have a client say, come on board, would you search those yourself? I'm sure there wasn't like an automation at that time. What was that operation looking like? Yeah, um, it was a manual business and, and the team searching at first was just me. And so um, we did have a website. It had a form where you would fill out uh, and it had a drop down menu. So all the airport codes were preloaded, mm -hmm. um, but you would pick your award program. You'd put in your balances. And then, yeah, I was physically searching. Um, there was no meta search engine at that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know we'll get into this, but essentially, you know, that that United seat you want, uh, you can get it from United. You can also get it from many, many different programs. And so ensuring that we're looking at the redemption across all those programs to make sure that you're getting the best price point um, was a manual endeavor. Yeah. Um, and so was myself for a few years. And then we built that team to about 63 pre-pandemic 63 consultants on six continents, 24 seven operation. Wow. So yeah. this entire time, so launched around 2011, all the way to kind of the, right until pre COVID, was this all still manual? Is it, it might even be manual today, but was this all manual this whole time? Um, it was manual that whole time. That's really where the idea from for, for point me comes from, right? It's, yeah. there's only so much you can do to scale a business like that. The way that we were growing that business was we were looking for, and my co-founder Tiffany had a similar business. Um, we were looking for individuals who were points and miles enthusiasts who we could have shadow one of our concierge agents learn the ropes, learn how to interact with the client, and then they would go and, and execute the searches. That is how we did business all the way through around 2018. In 2017, I started looking for a solution to um, really scale the team. Yeah. Um, and so the way to scale was either go continue finding tons and tons of points and miles enthusiasts, or think about a way to service our clients in less time. And so it was taking us four to six hours to service a client for the reason that, you know, you might be going to 35 different websites, calling five other uh, programs, all to ensure that we were getting the best value for our consumer. Yeah. Um, and so started reaching out to some of the partners that we had made throughout that time, right? If you think about this from an airline's perspective, um, we're helping that seat go out filled. These are seats that would otherwise go out unfilled. Uh, we're driving conversions into their program. We had proved ourselves a good partner at mm -hmm. that point. Um, and so approached about building what was supposed to be an internal tool that would live on our intranet, which would help our team members um, complete a client itinerary in 10 or 15 minutes rather than four to six hours. Mm. And so that's what was behind the build. Um, and when we went to launch it internally, um, this is in early 2019, we were looking at the site and we we're like, this is so cool. We should at least throw it up on Juicy Miles and put the beta sticker there and yeah. see if anybody cares. And within six days, we had over 6,000 paying subscribers. Wow. We had heard from all the major credit card issuers and the VC community. And that was that moment where it was, 
oh, uh, we actually need to build a consumer-facing product. Yeah. And that's, that's what PointMe is. PointMe is the consumer-facing product. Mm. That's a good segue. If you can kind of explain that transition from kind of pre-PointMe and then moving into PointMe, what, what problem does that solve for you guys to actually then scale um, and grow at scale and also so- solve consumer issues at a timely basis? What, what does PointMe come into play? Yeah, so PointMe um, is the first ever meta search engine for points and miles. It makes it easy for everyone and anyone um, to get better value for, for their points, right? So we're taking a problem that most don't even realize they have, right? Yeah. Um, if you ask the average U.S. consumer how many points does it take to go to Europe, they'll tell you half a million or a million points. How many to go to Hawaii, they'll tell you 300,000 to 400,000. That's, that's just not accurate. And it, there's an educational and knowledge gap there. And PointMe really educates around that. It's all about the education and the step-by-step uh, enablement for anyone to do better. And by anyone, right, this is an industry that's been dominated by points and miles enthusiasts. Yeah. But now you go to Starbucks and you buy a coffee, you earn Delta Sky Miles. You go to Shell and fill up your fuel tank, you can earn American Vantage points. Yeah. You go to one of your local supermarkets and you can earn United Mileage Plus. And there's no reason that you can't get better use from those points. And so we're talking to everyone now. Um, and the whole way that we're able to do that is we've, um, we've, we've brought this meta search engine um, into a platform that's super simple, super easy to use, and it's affordable, whether you're looking for a day pass or you're someone who's a dreamer and really wants to plan throughout the year. Uh, yeah. We have price plans that, that speak to you. Mm. Incredible. So someone like me who has a United Explorer card, for example. So if you can kind of break it down for a consumer who maybe like me has a United card, like what would that approach be? So I, I get on point me, I submit my United miles. And what does that look like on the interface for, for you guys? And because like for me, if I went on there, I would go to united.com, I would see the points with my card. And that's probably it. And I know you guys go past kind of searching through that. So what would that look like, for example? Yeah. So the cool thing about PointMe is you can actually sync your loyalty balances across over 200 programs. Um, And so you'll see all of your balances and then you can actually filter the search search results based on those programs where you have points. Uh, To answer your your question directly, Mm -hmm. um, United, I'm sure you're aware, has tons of partners that you can redeem your points with, right? Um, They have their Star Alliance partners, they have their non-alliance partners. um, And then of course you can redeem for United Flight as well. And so we bring that inventory, we're able to display it directly on PointMe. It's even more important for someone, uh, just to give you an example, a similar example, someone who has a Chase um, Sapphire Preferred or Sapphire Reserve, they can actually move their Chase points to United they can move their chase points to a plethora of different airline and hotel programs. And PointMe is able to recognize, okay, Cameron's got chase points. Chase points move to these different airlines and these different airlines partner with these different airlines. And so as a consumer, you don't have to memorize who partners with who, what the transfer ratios are, uh, when the best time to book is, right? Um, Every so often, there are transfer bonuses. Um, and so if you move your points during a specific period of time, 
uh, you'll get more value for your points. PointMe takes all of that out of the equation for you. We, we, we show you the flat price and just make it super easy for you to decide what works best for you. Uh, for many, that means I can take my family of four away uh, for the price that I thought I was going to spend on two of us. Mm. Or we can take that trip this year, even though I thought we were going to be saving for another two or three yeah, years. For sure. If you can kind of explain uh, your pricing approach when at launch and kind of today as well, um, what led you to going in the pricing route you did? So if there's a listener out there who might be curious, um, so that you're saving money on your mileage and your your points, but we're also paying a fee for the service. So that has to outbalance each other. Um, what was your pricing strategy behind the, the platform? Yeah, so it all started with our legacy concierge service. Um, the launch price for that was 125 per passenger. Um, as you added more passengers after two, it, it did come down, but it was 125, uh, whether you were booking one way or round trip. Mm -hmm. The rationale there was, you know, the majority of points redeemers are redeeming for business or first class tickets that would otherwise cost somewhere between $2,000 to $8,000. Yeah. Um, and so $125, really not a big step up when you look at the value that you're receiving. Um, in other cases, they're often looking for times when it's super expensive to purchase airfare. So we're talking during the holidays or the summer travel season. Yeah. So again, if we can give that incremental savings with their points, uh, we felt that 125 was a fair price point. Yep. Prior to launching our automated solution, we increased our concierge rate to 200, which was in line with, with the market at that point. Uh, I think we had 50 plus competitors um, and, and that was around the average price point, even though we had a full service team, um, mm. dedicated relationship experts with, with the airlines and loyalty programs, we still wanted to remain competitive uh, within that sphere. Yeah. Uh, when it came to MetaSearch, we really want everyone to understand that they can travel further, they can travel better, they can travel quicker. Um, and so we wanted the price points to reflect that. And so if you're someone who simply is looking for that flight to London, uh, you know the exact date you wanna go, it has to be that day, you have no flexibility. Our $5 day pass gives you 24 hours to run as many searches as you want. Mm. Um, the big, big selling point for us is that you're getting accurate results. Uh, there is an entire rules engine and database layering that goes behind those search results. And so, you know, it's easy to surface results um, and it's, it's very easy to cache results, but we're giving you live inventory that's actually bookable. Mm -hmm. And I think that accuracy point uh, is the most important. We don't want someone transferring their credit card points to a loyalty program and then not being able to, to obtain the flight. For sure. So I think it's incredible how kind of like at this early launch, you talked to 6,000 members at that time. Uh, looking at today, like what, what do you think is the best marketing for you guys as like a, a loyalty kind of service? Is it really like SEO driven for people looking to travel or what do you find that works best? Yeah, um, this is an interesting question because um, it's all been organic thus far. We're wow. super, super lucky. Um, we, we are currently hiring for a uh, head of growth awesome. and marketing, but um, 
we've gotten really lucky. So we've we've had press hits with all the major um, business journals, but also Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, Washington Post. We've had hits on the Today Show and Good Morning America, where we didn't even know we were being covered wow. until somebody sends us um, the clip. And so thus far, it's been organic. It's hard to compete on SEO because if you think about a lot of the keywords, they're similar to what the bloggers yeah. uh, would be focused on. And so that market's tight. Uh, we're really focused uh, more so on the overall travel experience. And I think yeah. that's where we'll be able to execute and, and do well in the space. For sure. Incredible. Well, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. I think it's a good summary here. Um, if you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, what would you say that would be? Yeah, I'd say, um, and I know probably um, something that many consider just to be um, probably something that many consider just something that they would do anyway, but uh, you'd be surprised. So I, I would say once we first launched and we had that success the first week, mm -hmm. um, it was interesting to see how many experts in the entrepreneurial space had reached out to us. And some of them were founders from some really big companies. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I took those phone calls. I was super excited to be talking to them and with them. And they had a lot of advice. And, and some of the advice, especially in terms of those early hires, uh, you need to have this person, you need to have this role, um, didn't actually gel with where I thought the company was at that point or the, um, or, or the path I wanted to take forward. Um, I never let it influence our path, but I did take the advice and, and kind of uh, bring on some talent that probably wasn't necessary and it was really easy for me to take a step back after the fact and say, like, if you had just followed what you knew you needed to do to execute and grow. Um, yes, these people were super successful. They've all had exits, but they weren't in the points and miles space. Yeah. Um, many of them were, were several years earlier. And, you know, follow your gut, follow your heart, and, and you'll likely do better mm -hmm. than, than a lot of the advice that's coming your way. For sure. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out PointMe at point.me. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.